This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Okay, let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to introduce you guys to my co-host, Mr. Coleman. Hello, Hello, Jenny White. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I think we're going to have a good show tonight. I think so, too. So I'm waiting for you to take it over. All right. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, sleep apnea and other uh, illnesses. Uh, And we've got two guests tonight. We've got uh, Yvonne Murray, who's the proprietor of Comprehensive Sleep Solutions, a sleep study um, company that will uh, do sleep studies for people that are suffering from uh, insomnia and sleep apnea issues. And we've uh, also had Dr. Roman who's the CEO of Roman Care Health Services. So uh, just to give you a little, be- a little brief background on Miss um, Murray, uh, she grew up in the Jefferson Chalmers area on the east side. Uh, she attended Detroit Public Schools. She's a graduate of uh, the Green and White Cass Tech High School. She got an associate's degree from WC3 in aviation mechanics, <clears throat> airframe and power plant license, from Davis Aerospace, and she also has a bachelor degree from Eastern Michigan University um, in business administration, aviation concentrated. So she's worked in the aviation uh, industry for many years and developed a passion for the medical industry. And she wanted to help people live a healthier life and found that sleep apnea plagued our community and um, wanted to deal with uh, people that were having untreated sleep apnea and wanted to make a difference. Uh, she's soon to be celebrating her 12th year in the sleep world. And, um, you know, that is Miss uh, Yvonne's bio. Uh, so we'll be uh, speaking with her. And uh, we also have uh, Dr. Roman. Uh, and give you a little background on Dr. Roman. Um, uh, she's a board-certified family nurse practitioner uh, with over 18 years of experience in advanced practice. Uh, she's the founder and current executive director of the Roman Care Health Services in Detroit, uh, currently serving as the president-elect and first African-American to do so for the Michigan Council of Nurse Practitioners, uh, which is a big deal. And she also founded the Minority Advanced Practice Nurse Network, so uh, without further ado, do we have uh, 
uh, Miss Yvonne Murray and, and Dr. Roman, are they, uh, are they with uh, us? I'm thinking I'm going to ask that they press the one on their phone. If, you, uh, if you're with us, I... There we go. Yes, we have them. We have them. All right. Very good. Okay. You guys are going to be able to speak. So we have all three of you. Good evening. And thank you so much for being on the show. I can't wait. Good evening. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, this is uh, Let's Talk About It with Jenny White. Uh, and I'm the uh, co-host, Macy O'Coleman. I'll be hosting tonight. Uh, but we have uh, Miss uh, Miss Murray and Dr. Roman on the line. Yes. All right. Welcome, yes, ladies. How are you uh, all doing today? We're doing I'm fabulous. Great, great. So now, now do we have? So we just have uh, Miss Murray and Dr. Roman. We have three. Yes. Okay, we got somebody else on. We got somebody else. Y'all got somebody else with y'all on the team? Uh, no, no one else on the team, but I did um, invite a few people. I just put it on Facebook. All right, all right. Well, let's start with you, Yvonne. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Comprehensive Sleep Solutions and um uh, you know, how you got started, and, uh, you know, tell us, uh, since we really didn't know, I know me and you, you know, uh, once we met and we had the conversation about sleep apnea and some other things, you know, you shared some uh, very, very enlightening things that I had never heard of regarding people that have, you know, problems sleeping and some of the other health issues that they can encounter. So, uh, you know, tell us how you got started and, um, you know, some of the things that, we wouldn't regularly know unless you got a CPAP machine in your house. Okay, can I can I stop you for one minute? You said it's two of you guys. I have another person who put his uh, he pressed the one, and I just want to know if he's there. Okay, five ten ninety nine seven one. You may speak. That's fine. That's Yvonne. Okay. Yes. Uh, 282-2496. That's me. Okay. All right. Hey, that's Dr. Roman. No, no, that's not Dr. No, maybe. Oh, you say that's Dorothy. me. Oh, okay. Hey, Dorothy. Well, we, all right, we're going to get rolling with uh, Yvonne. Okay. So, Yvonne, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Hi. Okay. My passion, it came from um, looking at my family, looking at the African-American community and um, looking at, you know, what, how could I contribute my experience of being in outside sales, but at the same time benefiting uh, people. And my family was plagued on my mother's side with heart disease. And um, learning information um, after the fact, a lot of it was untreated sleep apnea. So taking that and being able to 
um, open up a business that would be able to help others because uh, I did lose my grandfather and my grandmother to heart disease. And and then I had several of other uncles and aunts that, praise God, survived um, heart issues, uh, but, you know, it was still there. So being able to, to try and combat this and uh, be able to um, speak from our clinician standpoint to our patients that we send over to them, talking about untreated sleep apnea and what the causes are, uh, was near and dear to my heart. And as they say, when when you do something that you love and and enjoy, you basically do it for free. So I'm a walking billboard of when I'm talking to to someone, um, I like to make sure that I, I reference what I do and talk about how, you know, um, this would be helpful for people to get screened for sleep apnea because a lot of us are walking around and they, they think, oh, well, granddaddy snores and or grandmama snores, and, and that's just how they sleep. Or a person themselves say, I've always slept this way. Well, they don't know the type of damage is being done to their body and you look up and, you know, have some major health issues, and if the onion was peeled back to find out what the root cause is, a lot of times people target a particular uh, health illness when it's at um, possibly, you know, untreated sleep apnea. So that's how I got started in in this industry. All right. Now tell us what what is sleep apnea. I mean, what does that mean? If you've got sleep apnea, what's, what's going on with you? Okay. Uh, Angie, would you like to answer that question? We got Dr. Roman. You want to answer that question for us? What's sleep apnea? Give us your definition of it. Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can hear me before. Okay. So good evening. So there's a couple different types of sleep apnea, but basically sleep apnea um, is a condition where people have an interruption in their um, breathing cycle um, uh, during hours of sleep. It usually occurs after a person has fallen asleep, but in many cases it is one of the uh, most common symptoms um, that present, you know, for a person who has uh, insomnia. So when a person stops breathing during their sleep, then our, you know, God made us so, he created us so so wonderfully that our brain actually tells us that we need to um, to wake up so that we can continue to breathe. And that may be triggered by a decrease in oxygen to the brain, which, again, you know, tells, um, tells your body that you need to wake up. So it, in general, it's a sleep disorder um, breathing that interrupts the, uh, the typical sleep pattern. And it could be caused by conditions um, that affect the brain, but most commonly it's caused by an obstruction in the uh, upper airway. Okay. Now, um, with someone uh, with sleep apnea, would they know that they have it? I mean, you know, uh, and maybe it's undiagnosed and maybe they don't know what it's called, maybe now, does everyone that has sleep apnea snore or not necessarily? Not necessarily, not necessarily. but yeah, snoring is a very, very common 
uh, sign of sleep apnea. If a person does snore, and, and what I usually ask my patients is whether or not everybody's trying to fall asleep before you, or if you go on a trip, nobody wants to be your roommate. You know, those people who have excessively loud snoring um, have a very, very high probability of um, of having sleep apnea, but that does not mean that a person who does not snore does not have it. And not every single person that snores have it, but the probability is much higher in comparison to their peers who may not have a snoring condition. Okay. Now, you say they can have an uh, upper respiratory obstruction in a lot of instances. Yeah, so basically your respiratory tract starts with your nose um, and, and also, you know, the back of your mouth or your oral um, airway. So you plug your nose, you can breathe through your mouth. So your nose and your mouth are the first part of your upper respiratory um, tract. And in some cases, so when you think about, you know, you hear people say OSA or obstructive sleep apnea, that's the most common type of sleep apnea. So if you have an obstruction, then it may be due to a an obstruction in that in those particular parts of the body. So in some cases, people have to have their adenoids removed. In some cases, they may have very large on top of. But in other cases, um, if you if you look at your mouth, if you know everybody who's listening, go in the mirror. You know, open up your mouth and just stick out your tongue just, you know, on a regular, like, you know, not like you're eh, at someone, but just stick your tongue out. And if you can't see your uvula or the little thing that swings in the back of your mouth, then it is a, a, a possibility that you could be a person who is at risk. So you may have a large tongue. You may have a larger neck, which, you know, meets okay. and, and talks to a um, – a shorter area or a lesser area for um, air to go back and forth through the airway when you're sleeping, particularly when you're laying in a, you know, in a position where you're laying on your back or laying on your side where you may not necessarily be moving your tongue around or sitting up and intentionally taking breath. So when you say obstruction um, of the upper airway, it's those things in the first part of the okay. airway that do be obstruction. All right. You know, kids can suffer from this as well. Would be like your your lungs, for example, just you know, until you understand the rest of the airway. All right. Very good. Now, kids can suffer from this as well. It's not just adults. It's not just adults. Definitely mm-hmm. at risk um, for uh, for sleep apnea, and and a lot of times it's the exact same risk factors that adults have. Excuse me. Particularly, you know, being obese or having um, something in the upper airway that prevents them from um, from having a, a complete respiration. So they get that obstruction, and then they stop breathing, and you know, eventually, at some point, the body kicks in or the brain kicks in and, and tells the person to wake up or do what they have to do to, you know, to keep breathing or to stay oxygenated. But yes, kids are also um, at risk. There's probably less incidence in kids probably because um, because it's probably not screened for on a regular basis. Um, and kids don't always talk about what's going on with them. A lot of times it's blamed on, you know, being up too late. You know, you didn't go to bed early enough. So that's why you're tired during the day. So, you know, probably kids may get skipped over um, 
sooner than an, than an adult. And because kids are not as engaged in the healthcare system other than, you know, their annual checkups unless they have a, some other type of chronic um, condition. I would add on that kids who have other um, upper airway issues or lower airway issues like um, asthma um, may end up getting screened, you know, sooner than a, a, a kid who doesn't okay. have asthma because they probably be more engaged, you know, in seeing the healthcare provider on a basis. Right. Now, uh, do people die from sleep apnea? Because if you stop breathing, you know, it just seems like that, you know, that death could be a, a factor. Do you want to answer that, Yvonne, that you want me to answer it? Oh. <clears throat> oh. Um, as far as uh, untreated sleep apnea, um, I had material that Respironics had provided us, and I can speak on it on behalf of uh, that information that untreated sleep apnea can be the cause of drowsy driving that could lead to death, that can kill that person okay. or someone else. Um, it can also lead to um, some other health issues like a stroke, heart disease, hypertension, uncontrolled hypertension, with all roles that can also lead to death. So, um, Sleep apnea, in some cases, possibly, this is by opinion, this is not clinical information, um, in some cases could be misdiagnosed. A person dies in their sleep. A lot of times they say heart attack or natural causes, and it could okay. be, you know, you see the sleep apnea. So, you know, we don't know that. But, yeah, a lot of the roads lead to, um, you know, that what can happen to a person can lead to death. Now, I don't, um, Angie could probably speak a, a little bit more on the clinical level off of what I said. Right. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely corroborate what she said. And I, I, I would say um, I don't know that I've seen sleep apnea as a primary cause of death, not that it's never been there, but it's definitely a, it could be a secondary cause of death. Like she hit it right off the head, you know, drowsy, Sleepy driving, it's just the same as drunk driving so or distracted driving. So that could, you know, put a person at risk for death and, and other people. So it could lead to death, not just in the person who's sleepy, but in the person who's car maybe that they hit head on. But I will also say on the secondary level, like she mentioned, some of the other um, health conditions that um, untreated or undiagnosed or undertreated um, sleep apnea could contribute to and the list was perfect. So atrial fibrillation, um, if you have uh, a person who has been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, they need to go run to their primary care or to their cardiologist right now and say, why have I not been screened for sleep apnea? Because in that case, it could be like the chicken before or after the egg, which one came first? So having a... Um, a, a chronic deprivation of oxygen to the um, the heart and the tissues that surround it could, you know, lead to some of those irregular rhythms. Um, pulmonary artery hypertension, um, highly prevalent in our community, but not always picked up or diagnosed. People have chest pain. They get a traditional cardiac catheterization, which is looking predominantly at the left side of the heart. But those symptoms continue, so the chronic shortness of breath, the fatigue, and it may be due to a person having sleep apnea, which could um, lead to secondary pulmonary hypertension or 
high pressure in the in the arteries or the vessels um, that um, supply the right side of the heart. Um, and then she mentioned um, hypertension. The one that is huge for me is obesity. If you are trying to lose weight, I can't tell you how many patients who I've, you know, taken care of um, who really, really work hard and they put in the work, they make the dietary changes, they got the exercise going as much as tolerated, but they are having a hard time shedding their weight. And um, weight resistance or loss of weight resistance can be a secondary um, cause due to um, untreated or undertreated um, obstructive sleep apnea or, or other sleep apnea. So those are the big ones for me. There are others, but I would say atrial fibrillation, pulmonary hypertension, and obesity. And then the other one that's really important is our people who take um, chronic pain medication, you know, opioid pain medication. So things okay. in the uh, class of, you know, Norcos, Oxycontins, Percocets, regardless of whether they're prescribed or not, that's a different that's a different um, show. Um, but those people who also take um, opioid medication are also um, at risk of dying from their sleep apnea because the opioids tell your brain and tell your lungs that you don't have to breathe as deep and you don't have to breathe as often. And then if you already have that issue with sleep apnea where you have that disrupted sleep, you have periods of time where you are not breathing, that could definitely put you um, at risk for um, for death. So chronic pain patients are uh, really should be screened for sleep apnea, those particularly who take uh, opioid pain medication. Wow, I never heard of that. That's um, definitely enlightening information for people that's in chronic pain. Um, may also suffer. Now, somebody can have sleep apnea and not know it, I'm sure. Now, so some of the signs would be, you know, um, wake up sleepy, you know, or nodding while you're driving. That that could be some of the signs. Yes. Well, it's, or waking it's up in the middle of the um, night. Yeah. So as far as the, the um, I have some screening tools that, that we use to screen people, um, and some of the the, um, the symptoms and signs for sleep apnea is snoring that's interrupted by pauses in breathing. So I'll say this. If someone has a loved one, that they're hearing them snore, they're snoring and snoring and snoring, and all of a sudden they, they hear them not snoring. Don't okay. be relieved. Oof, they stopped snoring. That's something that to have caused because that, that could be that they stopped breathing. Um, mm. A person, another sign and symptom um, is that they're gasping or choking during sleep. But in a All lot right. of cases, as a sleep tech, I've witnessed people that uh, had they didn't grasp or uh, grasp for air or choke during sleep. Then when they woke up, they said, "Oh, I slept like a baby." All the while, they had all these apnea events during sleep. So some people feel it, and some people don't. Uh, restless okay. sleep excessive daytime sleepiness or fatigue during the daytime. A large neck size for a man is greater than 17 inches, put them at risk for sleep apnea. 
and greater than oh, 15 inches for a woman is uh, puts them at, at risk. What, um, what Dr. Roman talked about, a crowded airway, morning headache, sexual dysfunction, frequent urination at night. And I talked to a, a urologist and I asked about this question. <clears throat> and what, what he said uh, was that most people, when they wake up in the middle of the night, think that they woke up because they need to go and use the bathroom. So you wake up right. and you wonder why did you wake up. And so, you you know, you may think that you woke up because you have to go use the bathroom. So okay. that frequent urination is not necessarily tied to going to the bathroom. It could just be because of sleep apnea. Or just wow. irritability, memory loss, high blood pressure, depression, and obesity are some of the symptoms that uh, restaurants had uh, provide us with uh, um uh, symptoms and signs that we uh, provide as a questionnaire to some of our patients. So, well, I, I mean, think, that's... yeah, no, I was just, uh, I was just going to say that I think that uh, you know a lot of us may be suffering from sleep apnea and don't even know it. Um, you know, yeah, uh, and you know, you can go years with those symptoms and and the damage that it could possibly cause in other areas. Is there any correlation with sleep apnea and diabetes? Yes. What is it? I have, I have a brochure. Um, it may be related to sleep. Diabetes may be related to a sleep disorder. Um, mm. It talks about... Uh, uh, Look in here. It says, clinical studies have shown a link between type 2 diabetes and obstructive sleep apnea, and it talks about that it just goes into um, sleep apnea, and it just talks about um, sleep apnea. It really doesn't say this um, material here that I, I have. I thought it had a little bit more um, okay. in, in a relation, but it, in, in regards to the African-American community, we are, um, as far as obesity, we have obesity in our community. Um, sleep apnea is such an underdiagnosed disease. I have a next door mm-hmm. neighbor that had two strokes two years ago. And I asked her, did she have a, a sleep study after she had her first stroke? And she said, no, she did not. You know, within 30 days, of having a stroke, a person should be um, given a, a sleep study. A lot okay. of times that's not happening, and that's so unfortunate because then what happens that if that person is not treated for sleep apnea, and that's um, I'm I'm now starting to talk outside of you know my my. <laughs> area of speaking. Right, right. Can you can you uh add to that? Yeah, I would you know, let me go back to the comment about um about diabetes and you know when he talked about the African American community at large, like that is huge. Um we are at greater risk for um for type two diabetes as a whole because of our excessive weight, because of our higher incidence of um Heart disease, and you know, we talked about how 
having a lack of oxygen and, you know, having this, this uh, sleep disorder breathing can affect our, um, our heart. And if you already, if you have diabetes, your risk for heart failure and heart disease, I don't want to put a number mm-hmm. on it, but it tremendously increases, okay? So That's once true. you have right. you have to be placed on medications that lower your risk for developing um, heart failure or hospitalizations due to heart failure. So when you have a absence of oxygen in tissue, then that's going to, you know, put you at higher risk for having that heart failure that you're already at risk for. So it kind of just speeds you up or puts you a little bit closer to having or developing one of those chronic conditions or exacerbating one um, that you already that you already have. So I would say, you know, I definitely agree in terms of diabetes, but I would correlate it to, you know, obesity and um, and and heart disease risk or major major um, acute coronary events. All right, I think we've covered some good stuff here, and uh, and I'm going to ask another question, and, and then I'm going to open it up for you know any other callers that. Uh, have any questions that want you know want to ask uh, Miss Murray and Dr. Roman uh, regarding sleep apnea and uh, uh, sleep studies? Uh, just push the one on your phone, you know, and then we'll uh, we'll bring you up. But uh, one of the questions uh, that I, I wanted to ask is uh, memory loss. If it uh, sleep apnea could affect memory loss as well, right? Yes, this is one of the. Um that's one of the signs and symptoms that Restaurantics had provided on the questionnaire is memory loss. Now, as far as the correlation, I don't know how that you know, ties into sleep apnea that I've I've seen. Um, okay. Some of the other more common symptoms that people would see in the um, in the close to twelve years that I've. You know, Worked in the sleep lab is more so the snoring, the grasping for air, grasping taken for uh, air during uh, sleep, morning headache, um, depression even, um, okay. and then obesity. Those are the mo- oh, and the excessive daytime sleepiness during the daytime. Those are the most common that that people truly admit to having the the signs and the symptoms. And um but some of the other ones you don't hear it as, as regularly. Now um what is the CPAP machine? It's continuous positive airway pressure. So okay. it it has a continuous flow of air to keep the airway passage open. So I would say that it's Similar to if you're driving down the street and you stick your head out the window. So that All would right. be more of a seat. And so BiPAP would be more of this uh, similar inhalation and exhalation. So it mimics breathing. And so okay. BiPAP is provided to some people that um, can't tolerate CPAP and that has that okay. continuous uh, airflow. Or if they have central apnea events, that's when the brain tells the person to stop breathing versus the airway passage or the obstructive airway passage being blocked. Uh, is more controlled with BiPAP 
than with CPAP. Um, so that's what the difference is between those two. Those are the most con- common. And now that COVID has been out and people have heard of ven- ventilators, some people uh, have ventilators uh, that they use for PAP therapy. Um, so people are a little more familiar since COVID, but ventilators are, are a little more rare and is more so for people that have um, central apnea um, that's a little bit more severe than what a BiPAP can control. Yeah, because somebody that's on a ventilator, you know, is not breathing on their own at all. Well, isn't that right? right. Or they're, yeah, it's, so their oxygen levels have dropped below. Yeah, it's okay. a different type of ventilator, but there's a ventilator for the um, PAP therapy usage for sleep apnea, for central apnea uh, usage. And um, so just to, you know, kind of educate the, our listeners, that is, this is CPAP, is BiPAP, and is a ventilator as well for PAP therapy that's that's used. But that's, again, more so for central apnea, um, which is not as common. Okay, okay. Yeah, if we have anyone that wants to, you know, ask any questions or join this discussion, feel free to push to one. I think, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of good information uh, in regards to Sleep apnea. Now, is insomnia the same thing, or insomnia is just you have uh, problems sleeping, whereas with sleep apnea, you're actually stopping breathing? I'll, I'll answer that. So, sleep apnea could be a cause of insomnia. So, okay. for example, you know, um, Yvonne mentioned our male patients. Who, or and not even not only male, but our patients who wake up in the middle of the night. But she mentioned talking to a urologist. Most of the time, it's the guys talking to the urologist about nighttime awakening because they're concerned about their prostate. But um, anyway, people who wake up, you know, a lot of people who say, "Hey, I could fall asleep, but I don't give a two hours, and then I'm up, or I don't give but X number of hours, and then and then I'm up." So that type of insomnia could be related to sleep apnea because, again, it's the body's protective mechanism saying, hey, you need to wake up. You need to open that pharynx back up so that you can uh, so you can breathe. So when it wakes you up, it wakes you up to increase that oxygen level, and that, again, may be the reason that now you are awake. So there's a difference between sleep onset insomnia, some people who can't fall asleep that may not necessarily be related to um, sleep apnea, but sleep maintenance insomnia are people who do fall asleep but find themselves waking up or only get a certain um, amount of sleep or who always wake up, um, you know, or frequently wake up um, tired. That's, That's different. So insomnia may be a sign of sleep apnea. Okay, so if you've got somebody that's obese, got high blood pressure and chronic pain, wake up during the night with frequent urination and got diabetes and had a stroke and can't remember nothing, they got sleep apnea, huh? That's <laughs> right. They got automatic giving to them, but we want to make sure they get screened. 
And so while we're talking about screening, I would encourage your listeners, you know, if you're wondering, you know, what, how, how am I at risk? You know, how do my risk look? Take a look at one of the two common screening tools that we use. One is called the Epworth Sleep Apnea or Epworth Sleep Epworth E P W O R T H Sleepiness Scale. And it's just a few questions, and you can ask those questions, and you can print it out or, you know, answer the questions with your smartphone and send a message to your nurse practitioner or your physician and say, hey, you know, I scored this number on this um, screening test, and I think I should be screened. The other one is called the Stop Bang, S-T-O-P, and then B-A-N-G. And that has, again, some of those um, risk factors and some of those symptoms that Yvonne mentioned. So you could do one or both. It's just a few questions so that you could get an idea as to whether or not you actually are at risk and whether or not your um, health care provider should be sending you for a, a sleep study or at least having a, a more detailed discussion about it. Now, uh, what happens with a sleep study? If you're interested, say I'm interested and seeing uh, if I have sleep apnea, uh, how do I go about the? What's the process like? Who do I call? Where, where do I start? So you could start with your um, health care provider. You start with your health care provider, and you let them know that you're interested in having a sleep study, and then okay. they will be able to set you up with, uh, with the sleep lab, and then you would be uh, screened by a sleep doctor. You would have a sleep consultation with the sleep doctor, and then you would have your sleep study if your insurance allow it. Because in some cases, um, you know, they they some insurances they'll approve it or deny it uh, based upon your questions that that you ask, and then. Okay. Um, and then having your sleep study, then that would be the baseline PSG polysonography test. And um, and then for that, after that, that'll show if you do need to go on for the treatment for sleep apnea. Okay, so with the sleep study, it could be approved by insurance and it may not. If it's private pay, and you're paying out of pocket, what's the cost like on average? Uh, it varies. So, but um, we, have, we have a program through Michigan Rehabilitation Services through the state of Michigan that if you do work, um, and that would be uh, you have a, a health issue, um, possibly having sleep apnea could be your disability to have the state to pay for it because that can interfere with your with your job. Uh, you can have uh, poor poor work um, issues on the job, so you don't have to necessarily pay out of pocket. So we we okay. have a, at companies of sleep solutions and diagnostic center. We have a way uh, for that to be paid even if you don't have insurance. All right, all right. So how long does it take to do this? No, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was just going to add on there because I know not everyone knows who their primary care provider is. And then some okay. people's CCP is not, you know, 
unfortunately not familiar with sleep apnea um, or, or they don't make regular referrals, so they may not have a relationship with the sleep lab. So, you know, mm-hmm. I would just take the opportunity to say that, you know, at Roman Care Health Services, we do telehealth visits, and we can do a visit just to screen you for sleep apnea and get you referred over to comprehensive sleep solutions. Or if you had another sleep lab, you know, that was closer to your home or that, you know, that you want to go to, I highly recommend them. I refer most of my patients there because, we get good comprehensive results. The, um, you know, I, I go by what um, patients um, tell me when they have an experience, and they always have a good experience. I've been there. It's like a home, you know, and a lot of people have trouble sleeping away from home. And when you go over to comprehensive, you know, you're like, you know, it's like, like a home away from home or you're like at an Airbnb so I would say, you know, in order to get screened, definitely ask your primary care, but you could reach out to either of us so that we could um, get your screened and we could still refer you back to your primary with those results so that there is no delay in getting you um, screened and getting you tested and treated if you, excuse me, if you do turn out to be positive. All right. Now, um, say you, uh, you sign up for... Uh... Uh, a sleep study. Um, are you in a, a big king size bed with room service? I mean, how does it work? We do have uh, queen size beds, but in most cases, you're you're you have lesion electrodes that's on your head, um, the EEG portion that's looking at the stage of sleep. You have respiratory belts on, um, and so that's measuring your breathing. You have leg leads on uh, for periodic leg uh, movements or restless legs, looking for that. So you are so tied down. Even if we had twin beds, that's all you would need because <laughs> you can't you know, okay. roll all around the bed. But as far as it being a comfortable place, it is comfortable uh, for a person to be able to um, have a study and, and to be able to sleep. What's most important oh. is the making sure that they're being that the person is being monitored and screened uh, for sleep apnea versus for the the actual ambiance of the place. But it is a, a nice important home. No. Some yeah, go ahead, Dr. can tell you a little bit. Some, In some cases, um, there are some people who just cannot sleep um, away from home, and then there are some insurance companies that just will not pay for a sleep apnea okay. study or polysomnogram that she mentioned, a PSG sleep study um, in the sleep lab. And those, in those cases, um, you are able to get uh, tested for, for sleep apnea at home. It's not... Um, depending on the case, it may not be the absolute best, but it does work in most cases as long as the patient doesn't have, like, severe anxiety or other issues that may prevent them from being able to complete the study. Um, but the, the gold standard is to have your sleep study done at home. But I mean, I'm sorry, in the lab, but you could have your sleep study done at home, too. You have to just have the equipment. Um, they would send out the equipment, and Yvonne could tell you a little bit more about okay. how a study goes. 
Now, let me ask you for anybody that's interested in having a sleep study done, um, how would they get, you know, in touch with Comprehensive Sleep Solutions? Do they need to uh, first go to their PCP and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm uh, waking up in the middle of the night, I think I might, you know, be having some sleep apnea. Uh, and now, do they need a referral um, to be referred to Comprehensive Sleep Solutions or they can just come and Comprehensive will run their insurance and uh, say, yeah, you you know, they'll pay for it. No, they won't, you know, and this is what we have as an alternative to get this paid for. What's the best yeah, way for somebody that's interested? Our preference is to work with the healthcare provider. We don't ever want a healthcare provider to feel as though uh, we're uh, taking their patient and okay. not including them in the part or um or their care. So we prefer that a person go to their health care provider in order for them to get the, the prescription. If a person right. if a person doesn't have a health care provider, yes, they can come directly to us and then we would be able to have them uh, seen by our sleep doctor that would do the sleep consultation. But because we want to continue to develop and nurture the relationships um, with our health care providers, the preference is for them to go and see their health care provider first. All right, very good. Now, uh, I have where a question. Okay, go ahead, Jenny White. Okay, uh, ladies, I was just wondering, what is normal sleeping? Because you guys have said so many things, I mean, having headaches in the morning and memory loss and snoring and it's just a whole lot of stuff. What is a normal sleep? Well, I'll take a stab at that. I would say it's based on your age, number one. So um, average for um, for adults, you should get about seven to nine um, hours of sleep so that you can make it through all of the sleep cycles and then back to where you started um, because all of those different sleep cycles do something different for you in terms of, you know, refreshing. Like we talked about that memory loss, renewing that memory and, re, re, you know, giving you um, energy and providing your body with what it needs in order to wake up the next day and, you know, and take care of business. So it depends on your age, but on average seven to nine hours of sleep for adults. But I would say, you know, um, kids, and this is not necessarily babies because we know babies wake up and go to sleep. So it just depends on the age. So seven to nine hours for adults, and I would say for young kids, anywhere from six to about um, 13 or 14 um, I would say about 10 to 12 hours of sleep are, are best. It doesn't mean you can't function without those, but those would be maximum to restore you. I would also say that a person who, um, you know, has a regular routine and they are not experiencing um, times in their sleep where they're having uh, uh, apneas and they wake up feeling refreshed, you're able to carry out your day, you know, you're not sleepy in the middle of the day, you're not falling asleep, you're able to focus, concentrate. So that person, if that person always gets, you know, seven hours, then that may be okay for that person. As long as you don't start seeing 
change. You know what? Two years ago, I used to, you know, be able to do this, that, or the other. And now, you know, I, I don't get as much sleep. So it really, again, this bottom line is based on your on your age. But a normal night's sleep on average is anywhere from seven to nine hours for an adult. So when you say that uh, seven to nine, that's straight through and not getting up, going to the bathroom, just lying down there sleeping. Yes. Now, again, everybody is different. Some people always wake up, you know, once at nighttime because they have to use the bathroom. And it may not necessarily be related to sleep apnea. It may be related to that prostate or that fibroid or all of that juice you drank or that high blood sugar that's getting you up in the middle of the night. So as long as you have a regular routine, you know, getting that eight or nine hours is going to increase the probability that you got a complete night's rest and that you were able to cycle through all of the important stages um, of sleep. Can you get a good night's sleep on six hours? You know, that's subjective. Some people feel that you do, but if you look at the data, you know, the data will say that it's recommended or, you know, if you look at, you know, probably the um, Academy of Sleep Medicine will probably recommend that you get seven to nine hours of sleep on the average of, of of about eight hours. But waking up and going back to sleep, you know, again, a, a good complete night's sleep means that you have cycled through all of the stages of sleep. So it depends on when you wake up and how soon your body is able to go back and continue or start over, which it really will have to start out, start over to be able to get you through all of those um, stages of sleep again and for the certain periods of time that they need to, you know, that you need to be in those stages of sleep in order to be restorative. And that's just just straight through, right? Straight through. So, yeah, of course, straight through is the best. (laughs) So what your your question was, a normal night's sleep, um, it's referred to as having good sleep hygiene. And so that's something that a lot of times we, you know, we're, we're so busy focused on the untreated sleep apnea, we forget to uh, remind people of what a good sleep hygiene is. And that's being able to have a consistent bedtime and time to wake up, like Dr. Roman had mentioned, a certain number of hours of sleep, but to have a consistent bedtime with that. Uh, Prioritize making sure that you are getting enough sleep cutting back on alcohol and caffeine before bedtime. And for some people that's waking up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, in some cases maybe, you know, watch what time you're you're drinking, um, you know, before you go to bed. Um, And then um, engage in some relaxing activities or meditation, you know, not watching TV before you you go to bed or, or in your bedroom. Keep your bedroom for uh, for sleeping, and so that could help contribute to a good sleep hygiene. That's if, if someone doesn't have you know some other issues going on, being able to concentrate on that. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, someone uh, wanted to get in touch with you. Uh, what's a good number for a comprehensive uh, sleep solution? 248-223-9747. And that's, again, okay. 248-223-9747. And uh, where, uh, where are you located? We're located on Lawser, off of 11 miles, and we do take um, most major insurances as well as for uh, Medicaid and Medicare. Very good. Now, um, what uh, you do the sleep study and found that you have sleep apnea. Uh, what are some of the uh, solutions? For that, what are some of the recommendations uh, to cure that, or can it be cured? Well, now that that would be a Dr. Roman question, but I can talk about some of the treatments. Um, the gold star that the American Academy of Sleep Medicine says is PAP therapy, so positive airway pressure therapy. That's the gold star. Um, method of of treatment, but there are for people that's mild have mild apnea events, and mild apnea events. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine reference from five events in an hour to up to fifteen events in one hour. So a person stop breathing during sleep five to fifteen times per hour could qualify for an oral appliance. Um, and then there's a, another device I won't even mention on the show because I'm just like totally against it because it it you have to have you do surgery in, in order and it's not taking your tonsils out but it's some other therapy that they're really promoting that with a, with tap therapy or an oral appliance there's no major surgery that's being done to your body you don't have side effects. Uh, for PAP therapy, um, there are some minor things with oral appliance. It may um, it may make your bite um, a little off uh, with the oral appliance, and that's where the PAP therapy is truly the gold uh, the gold star treatment. Okay. I would just add to that. Um, definitely, one of the first things that a person can do is lose weight. You know, again, we said that not everybody who has sleep apnea is obese, but if you lined up a hundred people with sleep apnea, you're going to probably have more obese patients than um, patients who had a normal BMI. Um, so, losing weight and controlling um, uh, your weight could definitely decrease the severity and in some cases could um, help a person to um, not need or no longer need their um, their uh, sleep device. And then the other thing, you know, in terms of, and this doesn't fix it, but it just kind of helps treat the symptoms of it, is the way that you sleep, your positioning. Um, so sleeping in a position where your um, airway is not likely to close up. So you know, this would be the perfect opportunity to go and buy you a sleep number bed so you can raise the head of your bed up a little tiny bit. Um, 
And then um, avoiding alcohol or excessive opioid use. We talked about um, people who use chronic pain um, medications, but also people who use heroin and fentanyl and um, illicit drugs, as well as um, people who drink a lot of alcohol and people who drink enough alcohol to actually get drunk or, you know, to change their mood. Um, those are the things that can make sleep apnea worse and put you at risk for having one of those events at night, like Yvonne said, that people can't always necessarily say, hey, they died from sleep apnea, but that sleep apnea caused whatever it was, um, you know, that, you know, changing their heart rhythm or changing their blood pressure um, in the middle of the night. So avoid the alcohol. Uh, positioning and uh, and weight loss are also uh, additional um, treatments or uh, mediations for uh, the sleep apnea. Yeah, I think those are uh, you know definitely all um, excellent uh, recommendations. You know, in reference to um, I think a condition that not many people think about unless you you have it or you know you or you live with someone who uh, has a tendency, a tendency to stop breathing while they're sleeping. Um, I think that um, uh, sleep, a uh, sleep study would definitely be recommended. And I think that uh, comprehensive sleep solutions would definitely be um, first stop as far as places to go. And uh, just talk to your physician in reference to some of the signs and symptoms that you're going through in reference to uh, broken sleep, you know, stop sleeping, you know, uh, stop breathing while you're, while you're sleeping. And then maybe you have some of those uh, other underlying conditions that could possibly uh, be related to sleep apnea that we never made a correlation with uh, as far as maybe, you know, having strokes or, you know, you're on opioids for chronic pain, uh, if you, you know, over obese, uh, have hypertension, uh, you know, you have heart issues already, you know, AFib, uh, heart disease, uh, I think it's, you know, it's definitely worth uh, taking uh, a test to see what you score. And uh, what are those tests again? I know you said Epworth and Stop Bang. Yeah, the Epworth Sleepiness Scale, your um, listeners could just go on Google and type in Epworth Sleepiness Scale PDF sample, and they'll probably find quite a few. And it's just a questionnaire. And the other one is called the Stop, S-T-O-P, Bang, B-A-N-G. Again, a questionnaire of just, I think, about eight or nine questions. And they can do both, you know, more compelling uh, information to encourage your um, your provider to, um, to send you for that study. But one thing that I know in our community is that sometimes we are not listened to, okay? And so you want to make sure that you are working with um, someone who is going to listen to your concerns. And if they don't, don't don't let them just blow you off or brush it off. Make sure that you get access to um, to having the sleep study if you feel like you may be at risk. Don't let them blow you off. All right. Well, we definitely have to be advocates for our own health. That's for sure. Um, now, 
Uh, do they ever prescribe medication uh, for people that have been diagnosed with uh, sleep apnea? Do they, they give you something to take or they, they'll they uh, put you on the CPAP or the BiPAP? Yeah, so it's treatment with those things that we talked about, the BiPAP, the CPAP, and then the other um, uh, things that you could do personally, like losing weight and, you know, changing your position uh, when, when sleeping. I am not aware of a medication that is used specifically for sleep apnea, but I will people who are taking medication for insomnia, whether they're buying, you know, NyQuil or Benadryl or, you know, Tylenol PMs or whether their doctors or nurses are prescribing Ambien or some of the other uh, sleep aids. Those are the people who definitely need to be screened. So the medication is not to treat sleep apnea, but it may be putting a Band-Aid on your sleep apnea. Correct. All right. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate you ladies, um, you know, coming on the show tonight and uh, sharing this uh, valuable information with us uh, so that we can definitely be proactive in our community with uh, and, and our health with, um, Thanks you for know. Us. Oh, yeah, yeah, my pleasure now. Um, you know, listeners, last chance. I see they were a little shy tonight. You know, I guess everybody's uh, <laughs> sleeping. I guess everybody's sleeping well. You know, but um, what would you ladies like to leave us with? Okay, I would I like just, to say. Like, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make sure that people get get screened because so many people want to pretend that. This is not their issue. Sleep apnea. Oh no, this is not me. I don't have a problem with sleep. I always sleep this way, until they end up having a having a stroke. There's too many people that I've seen that had that happen, and it doesn't have to be. Just get screened. I'm a CPAP user myself, so I'm not I'm not speaking from a a standpoint that I didn't go in and, and get screened. I did, and I do have sleep apnea, so, and it's okay. Yeah. Okay, um, Dr. I, Dr. Roman. Yes, thank you. Again, thank you for having me, and thank you for bringing light to this very important topic and very important conversation. You know, they call hypertension the um, silent killer, but I tell you, Sleep apnea is right up there with hypertension in terms of being the um, the silent killer. So I agree with Yvonne. I say the most important thing is screening and having a conversation and having a healthcare provider that you trust and that listens to you and also that advocates for you because a lot of times, you know, I take care of a lot of Medicaid patients um, in my office, and it's a lot of um, – going back and forth at times with the insurance company taking the time to do prior authorizations. And so if your insurance company says no and your doctor just gives up, then, you know, make sure you reach out so that you can still move beyond that because there's nothing like finding out later on down the line and saying, you know what, I always thought that I, I always thought that I had that and now that I have a stroke, now I'm getting sent, you know, on the back end. So, we want to be about um, prevention and risk reduction, but those people who already know that they have identified some of the things that we talked about in terms of, you know, what's going on with them, 
it's not too late. You may have already had a stroke. You may have already had heart failure or heart attack or have foggy thinking, and it's okay because you can definitely um, still be treated. It's, it's not too late. So I just say stick up for yourself. Take those screenings and um, share the information also with someone else that you love or care about because it's not brought up on a um, regular basis in, in most health care visits. Very good. And what's that number again? So the number for Roman Care Health Services um, is 248-218-1199. You can also reach us toll free at one eight five five seven my body So that's 855-769-2639. And we're located at 9600 Dexter Avenue in Detroit, Michigan, right at um, the corner of Dexter and Chicago, right at Longfellow. And we are offering um, telehealth visits right now. So people who may not live right here in the metro Detroit area have patients up in Grand Rapids and um, Traverse City who, you know, again, hadn't been able to get the things that they needed. So you can reach us on either of those numbers at any time. You can also text us for an appointment as well. All right. Well, that sounds great. I definitely appreciate you all being our guest today. Jenny White, did you have anything uh, that you'd like to share with us? Um, I've I've enjoyed it. I'm just trying to trying to kind of just you know get it all down in which one I'm gonna do because <laughs> I think I would like to find out uh, what I do at night and mm-hmm. if it's um, you know, well, it might hurt me or whatever. So I, I did enjoy the the talking. Um, but I can tell you, ladies, that that's the way, that's what happens when I have interesting people on the show that my people stop to listen so that's what's been going on tonight, ladies. I just wanted to let you know you were doing a great job. And we all oh, were please. listening. <laughs> I, we have we have a lot of people listening, I can tell you that. But, you know, they're listening. Well, so that, and take action. Oh, yeah, and we'll definitely have to have you on... Uh, uh, again, so that you oh, know yes. you can share this information. Absolutely. This is information that Absolutely. people need to hear more than once, you know. Um, so, but uh, thank you for being guests on the uh, Let's Talk About It with Jenny White show. Yes, uh, thank you. You know, and I'd like to say have... that you can feed the problem or the solution. Solution, whichever you feed, is the one that will grow. So I just want to say that. I like that. All right. Love it. Well, Mace and Virginia, I want to thank you both for bringing them on because I think they've been outside my bedroom door watching me <laughs> toss and turn and wake up. And now I know what I need to do because I talked to my doctor and he gave me um, a sleeping aid. And now I'm. Mm. I took it for two nights, and I got to the point where now I have a new symptom, 
which is restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. So now I know he wasn't paying attention, but he's going to pay attention now because I'm armed with all information. Right. Yeah. Get a sleep study. Don't take a sleep aid. Get a sleep study. Yes. Well, I thank you both. Please let us know. Because you both probably... Okay, because you you both probably saved my life because this is... It's been going on for probably two months now where I... And the new thing, another new thing is I'm sleeping during the daytime. And I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm up all night but sleeping during the daytime. Wow. Yeah, we want you to grab that dot bag and grab that F word and take those sleep aids over there and put them out on the table. And some of you want to revisit this discussion uh, because even if you don't have some of those other symptoms, restless leg syndrome can be treated and is also a cause of um, people having poor sleep quality. Um, so if you're anemic, you may be at risk for restless legs. And that's, you know, again, we could talk about that when we come back. But just wanted to, again, give you some more information to use as you revisit this conversation with your health care provider. Well, I hope you come back soon. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> just let us know. We will definitely come back again. I love people. Yeah, well, okay. we definitely appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Yeah. And- uh, and I have uh, one thing. Hold on a minute. Uh, one thing I had looked up, and it's called an Apollo Neuro. Have you guys heard anything about that? It's a wearing tech that it's something for sleeping. It's supposed to improve your sleep or reduce your stress. Uh, that I don't know. They just said it's something that it's wearable. What's the name of it again? A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O. I've not heard of it, but I've said it's wearable. It's wearable. I'm sorry? You said Apollo Neural? Yes. A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O. Oh, that's something you just put on your wrist? I didn't say where to put it. It it didn't say where to, you know, put it. But it's supposed to, you know. Online, what I can see is that it is a a device that... um, Helps relieve stress. It says the Apollo wearable it's helps relax. Yes. So you can relax. So you know, again, there's multiple types of sleep disorder breathing. It doesn't have to be sleep apnea. So that's one of the benefits of seeing a sleep physician or seeing um, a healthcare provider that is well versed in sleep disorders, so you can look at other potential causes of sleep because. Stress and anxiety are a big, big, big cause of um, of insomnia, and usually sleep onset insomnia. So I don't know anything about this device. I just looked it up when when you mentioned it, and I'm definitely going to look at it more. But just on a quick glance, 
I think this may help a person who is having trouble with um, falling asleep or staying asleep due to other issues like stress, depression, anxiety, and, you know, maybe some um, disorders related to adjustment disorders and and stress. But I can't speak for them. Again, just, you know, disclaimer, just Googled it and, and clicked on their website. But from what I can see, it's you know um, helping reduce stress, or probably helping you know with that with that circadian rhythm to help reduce stress. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate. Oh, you're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Well, these have been our guests, Miss um, Yvonne Murray and Dr. Roman, uh, on the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White show. I've been your host tonight, Macy O'Coleman, with our uh, illustrious uh, host, uh, Jenny White, and we thank you all for tuning in and listening, and we'll definitely uh, have these guests back again. Yes. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.